All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Good evening, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. And I am David Uyoa, and we are here tonight to talk about Hereditary, Ari Aster's first, very first movie, which is kind of difficult to believe. Uh, Yeah, yeah. This is a a debut. Yeah. Um, So uh, this is something that... Um, I don't know if it was your idea or my idea, uh, Daniel, but um, so someone said either Hereditary or Midsommar, and then the other guy was like, well, why don't we do a double feature? Yeah, like uh, you had mentioned we were due to do something supernatural and said Hereditary, oh, okay. and mm-hmm. I brought up that I hadn't seen Midsommar, and I was like, yeah, let's just do them both. Hell and yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so next week, tune in to see Midsommar, um, and it'll be my first viewing of that one. Yeah, and um, and it, it does make for I I think quite quite a nice double feature, um, since they explore similar themes but done in uh, very different ways. So uh, I am really excited to talk about this movie. Me too. Uh, this is for reasons I don't understand. Uh, a divisive movie. People I, have have I kept running into that too. Yeah, they have very clear thoughts on this movie. It, uh, they either love it or they hate it. I find that there's not really like a middle ground here. Um, but critically, it's a uh, it's a it's a critical darling, right? And this does appear on many of the you know scariest movies of all time lists. Yes, considering that this movie came out in 2018, that's no small feat um and in fact uh in reading up on the movie since it's come out i've seen a lot of people claim that this is the scariest movie since the exorcist uh now a couple years ago there was a study that was done that found sinister to be the scariest movie of all time scientifically it was the scariest movie of all time very much in the same way they had like people wear Fitbits and monitored heart yeah. rate and stuff like that. And they watched just a ton of movies. Yeah. Uh, very similar to how they determined that airplane was the funniest movie of all time. <laughs> you know, uh, laughs, laughs permitted, you know, airplane, airplane beat them all out, you know? So I, I prefer I'll, naked I'll listen gun, to that argument, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to argue with science, you know? <laughs> so uh, not here, not on shiver. So, what what do you think does this live up to the hype and so i think i think when you go to look at this movie so from what i understand is i think that the hype uh the hype machine that this movie mm-hmm. built around itself it is one of the reasons that it it uh you know unjustifiably maybe gets some of that hate because 
when it, you hype something as you know the scariest movie of all time and outside of one big shock you're an hour into this before things get scary right and we're, we're going to talk mm. about the narrative that being said yeah I think it absolutely lives up to the hype. This was the second time I've seen Heret- uh, Hereditary when I sat down to watch it last night. And I, when I went into it the first time, I went into it blind. All I know is there's this movie called Hereditary. It's this new guy. People seem to love it. And so I watched it and had no idea what I was in for. Um, and and that, was, that was an amazing experience. So I was tentative about re-watching this. Because of the fact that I, I knew it, you know, it wasn't going to have that new car smell anymore. I know right. what was coming up. But that being said, man, this movie is fucking terrifying. Um, I, I think it absolutely lives up to all, all of that. I think that um, as we get into talking about the story and stuff like that, I think some of the things that that people give it flack for are the things that make it so good. I think that um, that when you look at this movie as a whole what you find is a movie that is so deeply grounded and rooted in reality for so long in the movie that then you there there is no uh there is no suspension of disbelief when you get to the shit that's insane right and so you're you're so enveloped in how real and how raw this movie is that then when the horror comes at you you're 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 completely enveloped right like you can go to a slasher movie and be like okay yeah maybe it'll be scary but eh, you know i know a guy like that doesn't exist you know a jason mm-hmm. Voorhees is is obviously well beyond the, the the realm of something you can consider to be possible and they 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 open it up and they immediately let you know that when you watch this movie you get so sucked in to a story that's so utterly relatable and just so just beautifully tragic mm-hmm. that by the time things go wrong there that 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 veil of uh, of you separating you from the movie is gone and that's what makes it so scary so i 100% believe that it lives up to the hype i think that comparing it to the exorcist is uh is an excellent uh you know milestone of of how scary it is because when the exorcist came out i mean there's there still there plenty was of nothing people. like it yeah there was nothing like it and and it and it delved into something that maybe you know people knew about like demonic possession and stuff like that but then to mm-hmm. take it and put it on film and and then and you know of course like the, the trope of it being like this this is based on a true story this really right. happened people are possessed you know like that's that's what the exorcist had going for it it, it had a it had a sense of this is rooted in the reality of religion, which is such a such a deep cornerstone of so many people's lives. This didn't give you that right away. So it made you understand. And then it got there. And then it was so shocking what happened. So I, I think that's an excellent comparison. I I think part of the reason why this movie is so divisive is we are so often given, like you said, movies that are either very much rooted in reality and very real or movies that are very much supernatural. And there's very rarely any crossover. The fact that this movie explores such real themes, such relatable themes, and that the trauma that's experienced by these characters is so often trauma that we have experienced ourselves and explores a fear that is 
inherent in all of us, which is our our genetics, yeah, our 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 DNA. You can't outrun your family history. You can't outrun your family trauma, right? Um, everyone has had that nightmare at least once in their life that their mother or their father is trying to kill them. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's a nightmare that never leaves you. It never leaves you. I still remember the one that I had when I was a child and it was a recurring nightmare. And I know that when I told my mother, it utterly destroyed her. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, it, it, I must have been, I don't know, maybe, you know, three, four years old when it happened. I've never forgotten it. Never. And and so the fact that that's something that is universal. But then you bring in this element of the supernatural. It's hard for people to accept that. I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like going into a Superman movie. We know that he can fly. We know that bullets bounce off of him, that he's got fucking laser beam eyes, and we're okay with that. We go into that, and we totally accept that, right? But then you watch a movie like Skyscraper, which is more or less rooted in reality, and you're like, ah, the rock can't fucking jump that far, <laughs> right? Yeah. Why, why do we have a problem accepting that? You know, because it's, it, is, it is more rooted in reality than uh than most right so so that's that's i think where the disconnect is between the people who did enjoy this movie and the people that that did not enjoy this movie for me i would say that this is very likely the scariest movie i've ever seen for me personally uh which is why this is only the second time i've seen this movie yeah i i i saw this movie not when it came out but when midsummer came out uh, when Midsommar came out, I was like, fuck, it's, it's been this long already. And I haven't seen Hereditary. <laughs> I probably need to watch Hereditary. So I saw Hereditary, loved it, saw Midsommar, loved it. And I haven't gone back to it because the, it's, it's a painful watch. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very real and, um, it's arresting. I yeah. think is, is the, the, the way that I would describe it. So, um, it's not the kind of movie that I rewatch, but it is the kind of movie that sticks with me. I, and I agree. Like, I think that I, and I think that one thing it what you're talking about, you know, just things that you can't outrun like uh, this, this movie, if it explores absolutely nothing else, this movie explores the fact that grief is a motherfucker. Yeah. Right. And that, and that, the, that, that suffering can, can cause people to, I mean, it can really really fuck with people's heads and, and i i think that that's that's so that's so guttural and i mean that's that's primal you know like animals grieve uh that's you know that's that's not even that's not even just a human thing there are plenty of of re there's plenty of research into the fact that that, that herds of animals will grieve mm -hmm. and so when you're when you're just i mean when you're just hit i mean just you're just faced head on with this movie that's like you know what lengths would you go to if, i like if, that pun by the way <laughs> Thank Based you. head on, yeah. yeah. Um, like you know, what to to what lengths would you go to to not to 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 have that one more moment, mm -hmm. right? You, like, uh, if 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 you have never had somebody pass in your life where um they they were so important to you that that you just constantly kind of relive the past couple times that you saw them, and 
you you wish that you had one more moment because there, there was just something or, you know, the, the last time or last couple times, you know, they, they didn't seem significant. Um, and, and you want that one more time that then then if you've never experienced that, that then then, you know, the power to you, you know, it, good for you. Incredible, because that is that is an unbelievably dark place to be in. And th this movie, this movie confronts that. And, and it makes you sit there and watch when you see the lengths to which a, a mother will go because she is so grief stricken. And, and, and you get so sucked into that, that like, like you said, right. That, that separation between, you know, a, a movie that's based in reality and that's not, they, you know, as, as we were, as we, we talk about the story of this film, the, the, the what you have here is a movie with a thousand moving parts. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's easy for us to be like, yeah, hey, we do a horror movie podcast. We're going to do Hereditary. Like that is a horribly scary movie. But this movie is equal parts horror, psychological drama, or family drama, psychological thriller. I mean, th there's there's a little bit. Of, I mean, there's a lot going on here. And so when you're faced with all that, you know, you just got a lot to process. And and there's so much going on at times. You can't process from one thing to the next and it, and it becomes overwhelming. So when you're looking at, at so much being just movie, it was what, two hours, four minutes, two hours, eight minutes, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's not I mean, that long. It's not ridiculously long for as much as packed in there. How do you think having so much in there um, helps or hurts the movie experience? I, I think that the what this does for the viewing experience is it it creates a an incredibly tense environment that doesn't ever let you sit comfortably in your chair. Yes. You're always sitting like bolt upright and you're uh, like I found myself even after having seen this movie again sitting up in bed. I was watching this in bed and I was sitting up in bed like I wasn't laid back on my pillows and relaxing and my palms were sweaty. Yeah, my palms were sweaty. I was I was starting to like hyperventilate watching these scenes, n anticipating what was coming up. And I already knew what was going to happen. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, and, and, and then as as these scenes reached their apex, like there there was no release. That's the thing is that that tension, like it's not like you can pop it with a balloon because you you, you put that needle to it. And the needle goes right into the balloon, and that balloon just keeps expanding. Yes. There's there's never a release in this movie. Never. Not even as the credits begin to roll. No, and they just play like creepy music. And <laughs> and 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 I, I think that all the different moving parts in in this uh in this story, like you say, are um are brilliant. And it's it's what keeps you from focusing on one thing for too long. Right. Because as is real in life, right, we have all these distractions, right? So um, one of the things that I was thinking about today is whose story is this really? Is this Annie's story or is this Peter's story? That's a good question. And uh, I still don't know. Is, yeah. it Annie's, is it Annie's story told through Annie's eyes or is this Peter's story told through annie's eyes that's and, a and, really good point and that's one of those things where it, since I, I i started thinking about this on my drive home and i'm like fuck and all it's done is fuck with me ever since then <laughs> yeah like why 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 can't i answer this question 
You know, I'm, I'm a fucking literature teacher. I should be able to answer this question, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, ultimately, ultimately, I think that this is Peter's story told through Annie's eyes. If you have to ask me and, and I have to give you an answer, I think that that's what this is. But there's so much of everyone in this movie. Like uh, Charlie is always present. Yes. Always present in this movie. Um, uh, is it Ellie or Ellen, the, the grandmother? Oh, um, let's, uh, da, 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 da. oh, I'm not seeing her name all of a sudden. I had it pulled up here, but I don't see her. She's, she's omnipresent. Ellen, Ellen. It's Ellen. Yeah. She's, she's never not present. And you never like actually, you never actually see her meet alive her. in the film. No. Uh, and, and so their influence is there in the story this entire time. W one of the things that I, I loved was in the house and it's just off you know a little bit out of focus there's one shot where it's kind of really in focus one of annie's miniatures just next to the stairs is it's not in her workshop it's next to the stairs oh yeah on like the first floor the stairs yeah yeah it's it's layers of houses yes one on top of the other and it's it's so symbolic of the story right where really what this story is about if you want to you know synthesize it to its 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 very core right is it's about what is handed down to you from your parents from your ancestors right yeah uh because annie is given the curse that ellen gave her who knows what ellen was inherited uh had inherited from her parents right and 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 annie ultimately is the one who curses peter you know so uh so it's really the title of this movie is much more important than you think going in yes. right um, I mean, and even even so, like horror movies, so often we think like you know, oh yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. It's just you know, eh, whatever you know. Um, that one fucking statue is so indicative of of what this story is really about, and and there's so much of that going on everywhere in the movie. Uh, it's uh, it reminded me of watching like one of Mike Flanagan's TV shows where yeah. there's just like little bits everywhere. And the more you watch it and rewatch it, the more you're like, oh shit, look at that. I didn't see that last time. Yes. And, and, and you start picking up on all these little things. The, the story is the thing that drives you to analyze this movie and apply this movie to yourself, to your psychology, and and to and what allows this movie to live beyond the screen and i think that that is the most powerful thing that a movie can do is be so affecting that it causes us to say hey we got a podcast let's talk about this <laughs> yeah today. no um you're you're absolutely right like it, on so many levels but it's 
it's it's so amazing. Like I said, I was nervous about rewatching, right? And but like you've said, net like like you just said, this this movie because the story is so good that you can miss things like you know the house next to the stairs and stuff like that because you're just so engrossed in what's going on. So one thing I did know since this was a rewatch was I was aware of the fact that this movie is a family drama. I mean, it's a straight up family drama mm-hmm. for a good while. So I was I was making a very conscious effort. To say to say to myself, okay, the first time that is that is certifiable, the first time something certifiably supernatural happens, I'm going to catalog that moment. It was an hour and four minutes in, is the first time that you that you see something supernatural happen. Before that moment, you are just watching a family drama. You're watching the what, story. What was that moment, by the way? Uh, it was when she goes with Joan and uh, does like the, the little seance about for Joan's son, and the glass moves. Like, uh, like uh, when the glass moves out from under her hand, it's at an hour four. Like I paused it. I was like, all right, that is the first thing that I would consider like a certifiably supernatural thing. Oh, like you, you can't argue it sort of thing. Right. Okay, yeah. Like, you. like there were, there were a couple moments with Charlie, like where the light, you know, like right, that, that yeah. weird shimmer and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, and that can all kind of be chalked up to one thing or another, but the glass moving by itself, like I said, certifiable, that's, mm-hmm. that's a supernatural moment. So that's at an hour four. Um, but leading into that, like I said, you you get this family drama and they're they're never painted as like this picture perfect family. You know, like for quite the opposite. Yeah, you know, for 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 all the things in this movie, like what the fuck was Gabriel Burns' job anyway? Like, was his job yeah, literally just doctor? drinking scotch and what? staring out rainy windows? <laughs> like I'm I want his job. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. do that well. Um but also and- he's the he's the only character. That is, a, no, I, 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 I disagree because everyone grieves in their own ways. I disagree with the thought that I didn't say out loud. I only thought <laughs> it was gotcha. Yeah. Um, uh, so people don't think I'm going in, insane here. Um, I actually he, am. Uh, I, I am, but not for yeah. this reason. Um, <laughs> it's the end of the semester and I've got <laughs> yeah. so much work to do. <laughs> and yet I'm here hey. <laughs> talking about hereditary. So um, he, he is a, a character that is so tragic because he, he exists outside the story, entirely yeah. outside the story, right? Uh, if this is a movie about um, what we inherit, right, our, um, our hereditary traits, right, he is totally outside of this. Correct. Because this comes from Annie's side of the family, right? Uh, as much as this is about the Graham family, it isn't yeah right it's not about him or yeah. his name it's about everyone else and um him trying to keep the family from falling apart uh is is the most futile and and i think the saddest of all acts that happens in this movie because it's um it's beautiful and he's the, he is the character I most associated with in the movie, particularly on the second rewatch. I, I saw a lot of myself in him, a character who is totally out of control, right? Um, to, not out of control in the sense that like he's you know running crazy, but uh, but has no control. There we go. Yeah, has no control. Uh, yeah, a character who has no control and in fact is irrelevant. And, and, and that's that's one of the saddest realizations that a person can have. Uh, and, and actually, it was H.P. Lovecraft who did this for me um, to realize that we very likely 
do not matter. What we do on this rock floating in this one solar system, in this one quadrant of our galaxy, doesn't matter. Which, which is, which is even more inflated um, by the fact that um, uh, 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 Tony Collette, uh, Annie, she, uh, uh-huh. she, as as this story progresses, she views herself as a more and more important character mm-hmm. in in this in this this whole phenomenon that's playing out in front of her. She, I, I mean, I wrote this in my notes. She literally looks at Peter at one point and says, "I'm the only one who can stop this." Yeah, like she. It, it, when you, the movie as a whole, you're right. You step back and you look at it and you're like, none, none of this matters. All of these mm-hmm. people were pawns. And, and yep. when it all plays out, you realize that, that, that nothing they, they did mattered because they were all just being used. And so it's, it's even more like, like that was a line that the first time I saw the movie was completely throwaway, right? Like, yeah, yeah of course you are. You're, you're the only, you've got the diary and you're the one who's going to be set on fire and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And then you watch it this time and it's like, oh my, like it's like on the second watch, hearing her say that is almost like a laugh out loud moment because you're like, yeah. she's so, she's developed such a self, such a sense of self-importance about this whole mm-hmm. thing when she she doesn't matter like she's a means to an end just like yeah. everyone else in this mm-hmm. movie is a means to an end um the the, the narrative here the, the psychological aspect where we're, where we're talking about the the dad um you know like the the idea of one one thing we we talk about a lot when we when we do this when we do this podcast when you're watching this movie is it, because we watch a lot of these movies and we've seen a lot of twists we've seen a lot of things happen you always have that one inkling in the back of your head right that none of this is actually happening you're right. always waiting for that one moment that's like the aha in this movie that moment that you're waiting for is when the dad goes up into the attic after she's seen the, the grandma's body and you're like fuck he's not gonna find the grandma's body up there and he screams yes and then he gets up there and he starts screaming and he comes out and he's puking and you're like holy shit this is all really happening it's real like yeah. like and, and no longer is this just the grief-stricken mind of a mother who lost a child too soon this is a very real fucked up phenomenon that is happening in this. But, home. Then, but then they hit you with something that I, I did not see coming, which um, watching it again now, look, watching it through um, Gabriel Burns eyes. I forget his fucking name. Right. Um, but watching it through his eyes, Steve, right? Steve, that's right. Yeah. Uh, thank you. He looks at her and he's like, you're out of your fucking mind. He's like, it was you. You are the one that took her out. When I watched this the first time, I was so in the moment that it didn't register. Right. And I thought possibly uh, because there was a moment in the, the very first seance that happens in the Graham home where she very clearly has um the presence of payment inside yes. of her right uh and she does again after that right so um the first time watching this i was thinking well maybe payment never left right and maybe she has been doing all these things if you were to ask me right now i would say no i don't think so i do think that it was um you know the the cult and i do think that they were the ones that were influencing this and they were just using her right um but this this breakdown that she's been having, um, that is 100% the, the, the logical thing to do. And I saw it come way out of left field 
the first time and this second time i'm like no nah, steve you're like on the fucking money yeah right like that and that's the thing like there's 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 such a there's such an innate need to to ground something to something that you to ground one thing that that you don't understand to something else that you that you believe in Right. And so I, like I said, I don't know what he did. Like uh, at one point he was reading in the dark. I don't, uh, and maybe he has superpowers, um, <laughs> but you know, so, so all of this is happening and, and you know, one thing that's really interesting and, and this movie, I was talking about exploring the concept of grief and the fact that everybody grieves in their own way. It's interesting to see this character of Steve who um, his, his grieving method seems to just be look, uh, it was it was tragic and it was awful and we're going to live with that forever but life has to go on mm-hmm. and so so that that that's that's the, in my opinion that's the headspace that he's in right he's like we've got to move on from this so he's constantly trying to talk her out of these things and pro- you know possibly more than likely the reason that she doesn't tell him she's going to support groups because mm-hmm. it seems like his grieving method is to move forward right somebody always has to keep rowing the boat and so she there may have been some shame she felt in going to these support groups or just feeling like she wasn't going to be supported at home for doing them because she felt stuck in that moment. She, she did say that she didn't think that she would get support at home. Yes. That 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 one group that she does go. That's to. That's right. The first one when she goes uh, yeah. when it's just her mom that's died. Right. Um, uh, and but so- there's there's also there's there's a, a really interesting moment when. Uh, he tells uh, Steve tells Annie, he says, I have a son to protect. Yeah. And, and she looks at him and she says, what does that mean? Right. Like if she is, she again feels blamed, right. For the, the sleepwalking where she nearly <laughs> incinerated her children. Right. right? And um, she, she definitely has like this very defensive attitude right uh so i i think that there's a lot of tension between them as husband and wife in this sort of like in a, your grieving is your grieving right but your grief ends where peter's well-being begins there we go and and so your trauma your past trauma right your inability to cope with your mother has been something that has affected this family before right we're never given the context of why she was sleepwalking before what caused the sleepwalking Mm -hmm. to stop and what brought it on again right um, so we were we assume that it's the stress and the grief that has started the sleepwalking again, but we don't know why it stopped in the first place. So it could be something like that where it's right. like, listen, I, I just I, I don't trust you. And and there's there's just and so you know, as, as when when you just look at this story as a whole and all the twists and turns it takes and and just everything that was that was committed to film to make this movie, like this is up there with I, I mean this is right up there with Crimson Peak and the movies we've done as this this is 
you know, like you, you know that that really pretentious thing, like oh, the film versus movies, you know. But this is right. this is a horror <laughs> film, yeah. right? Like this is a story-driven narrative that you are sucked into. You are genuinely concerned and and wonder what's going on with all these people. You are brought in and made a member of their family. Just mm. you know, you're you're an you're an omnipresent member who who's just along for the ride, and so when you when i think when you look at the when you look at the narrative of this thing as a whole while i can see where there are people who walked into it like oh scariest movie of all time and you know 45 minutes in or like mm, one scary moments happen which by the way let's just get it let's just let's just talk the moment when her head dings off that light post man the first time that i saw like i had to pause the movie yeah the the, the first time i was watching this movie and and he's driving and you're already you were talking about sitting upright and this movie is mm. just one giant tense muscle. You're already tense because you're watching a 13 year old girl, uh, you know, suffocate go into anaphylactic yeah. shock and, and suffocate mm -hmm. um, while her, while her high brother is desperately trying to get her to the hospital fast enough. Like it's already this insanely tense situation. And then boom, you, you just, he stops the car and you never, you don't, I won't say never, you do eventually see it. But in that moment, you don't see it. You just know, holy shit, her head just, just came off that light bulb. Yeah. Which, by the way, on a second rewatch, you notice there's an amazing scene when they're driving at one point and the camera's following the car until it hits that light post. And then the camera freezes and you watch the car drive off. And there's just this, I don't know, let's call it six seconds. That's nothing but a shot of a power pole. Yeah, and, and it's and it's just sitting there, and it's like first time through. I didn't think anything of that, right? And now you're like, God, that is fucking ominous and horrifying. It's not just the 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 post though. the 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 sign of payment, yes, is inscribed on the post. Yes, it is. Which, um, upon the first watch, I noticed the scribble, but didn't know what it meant. Didn't think much of it, but I I I knew this post is going to play a role somehow right later right i did not know how important a role it was going to play uh nor did i know how soon after that it would, <laughs> it would happen right um yeah and so like oh. and so you you you've got you know so there's there's that moment and you're and i mean just every every bit of air was sucked out of my lungs the first mm -hmm. time that i saw that movie and, and i was and i like i said i i had a moment and he stops the car and he's just sitting there trying to cope with what 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 he's done and what just happened and it was like even once he kind of decided which by the way i think that the, the the idea of him just driving home and getting into bed is one of the most realistic depictions of how fucked up shock can be that's yeah. ever been put on film right like because it's it's easy it's easy to watch it and go oh why would you do that you call the cops you go home you wake somebody up but that is a shock and a trauma like i i i just pray upon pray that no one ever has to experience my my first time watching this i thought fuck that's awful why yeah. would you do that and the second time watching it i was like you know what yeah that's real yeah that's you real know, like what do you do in that situation yeah. you're a fucking 17 year old kid yeah and and you're 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 high as fuck right mm -hmm. um you're you're in shock that your sister's just died right 
what do you do? And how, yeah. how do you tell your parents this? And so you you refer you revert to you know it's it's a it's a it's a base instinct, right? You go home and you get into bed. You go somewhere. You you it it. I would I can only imagine that that at that point it's just autopilot, right? Like your your brain is not doing anything at that point. Your your pure central nervous system, um, in that moment, and central nervous system is like the everything this is the worst thing that could have possibly happened you need comfort and and so and so like i said just just instinct the car you know one of those things where the car just it, it basically just drives itself home and he just mm-hmm. he just goes and gets into bed and and things like that about the story uh when you're like i said when you're this person who's going into a movie who's been told it's the scariest thing ever things like that i can see too much hype overselling that particular aspect and not understanding, you know, all of the world building that goes into the family drama that is the first half of this movie. So I I think that, I think that story and I think narrative, I think that more so than possibly any movie we've discussed on this podcast is, is the most important thing in this, you know, we do plenty where we're like, oh, well, this movie's about blood and boobs, and that's what puts butts in seats. That right. that's not what that's not what Ari Aster was after. He was after you getting so engrossed in this story that you didn't know where one thing ended and another began. And and one of the things that I think is pivotal to the story is the fact that payment is a, a real, you know, uh, in, in quotes, you know, depending on what you believe in, right? Uh, payment is a real demon. Yes, at right? least the, it, depending on what you believe in, but at least the idea of payment exists outside the universe of this movie. Right. Uh, in, uh, in the Ars Goetia, the, uh, the, the lesser key of Solomon, right? Um, King Payment is described in in depth it's a it's a it's a grimoire that discusses you know a, a lot of the demons that are found in uh in hell right and so this this cult that's dedicated to to payment is based on extensive research that that Ari Aster did into payment and and the the people who follow him what they believe so um that sort of realism right spiritual realism um it definitely brings something to the movie now now daniel you are our resident uh occult specialist it's it is uh it is it is something that in the past couple years has become uh yes a very a passion so um tell us a little bit about this okay so when we're when we're talking about uh, when we're talking about the the, the concept, you know, the idea of the fact that that this is all grounded in, in very real research and some things like that. Um, so the first time, the, this was another thing that that I benefited from a second rewatch. The first time, so tense, always wondering what was going to happen. That that I, I missed, a, I, I did miss a lot of things, or I didn't have this this need to dive into some of these things because I just needed to see the story play out. So upon rewatch. Um, I, 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 I'm watching and I, I know where it's going. So I'm looking for those things. I'm looking for the scribbling on the post, right? I'm, I'm, I'm researching the, the words that are etched into the wall and, and the the pictures. So let me, let me start off by saying this, um, whether or not you believe 
in, in anything, right? Like, uh, I do want to say this. This is uh, I consider this that our, our our official shiver word of advice. Just don't fuck with seances and shit that you don't understand, um, because be- not believing in not believing that fire is hot won't keep you from getting your hand burned when you shove it on a burning log, right? right? So whether or not you believe this stuff is real, whether or not it is real, like. Just if, if you're not well versed in, in this, you know, don't 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 fuck with the stuff. Like yeah. I I I I read I read about this stuff a lot. I'm not you know I'm not taking college courses or anything, but <laughs> I, I I know I know enough that it's not anything I mess with. Like and I like to consider myself decently versed in a lot of this. Mm-hmm. And so so when you watch, so there we go. There's there's my little uh, there's my little the more you know for this. No, I, I I get you. Listen, <laughs> and, and as, as far as, as as I'm concerned, I'm I'm not a religious person. Uh, I, I I don't even think of myself as a spiritual person. Um, however, um, I I I did grow up with religion and and spirituality, and and I guess that's something you don't that just doesn't leave you. Right. right? And, um, uh, I don't know if it was a year ago, two years ago. Um, I subscribed to, to loot fright. Right. Yeah. And, um, uh, I get so many cool things, um, <laughs> and, uh, things that I don't need, uh, some things I don't even want, but, uh, but cool things nonetheless. Right. Uh, and, and there was a, uh, a really cool statue of Baphomet that came in one of these boxes, right? And I didn't think much of it at first, right? And um, my son, who, uh, you know, he's he's played Doom with me, you know? Right. He's, he's not afraid of demons or any of that sort of things. He's like, hey, that's pretty cool. I'm like, that is pretty cool, right? I came down one night, grabbed a, you know, cup of water or something, and I saw the statue of Baphomet sitting on my desk, and I was like, Nope. <laughs> nope. It's not gonna happen. Gonna box it up now. Yeah, I've got to box it yeah, up. And I, I mean I, I gotta yeah. And and you know, uh one of the things about this movie, um, when it comes to to this idea, it's easy to well, I say it's easy. I've never written a film. It's easy to to write a movie about these things and to fall back on the real basic Christian ideas of demons that you know and and demonology that's kind of in the zeitgeist right um at least has been since uh, the exorcist what's amazing about the the demonology and the occultism that's in the movie hereditary is how deeply researched it is down to the fact that it would have been easy it would have been so easy so fucking easy to just n- say beazelbub Right. Oh, everybody knows Beelzebub. That's an easy one. Lord of the Flies. Gotcha. Boom. Got it. You know, that that's that that's the easy way. But what he did was he took the time to make, you know, maybe make you want to learn about these other things, but also to to not only just use the name payment, um, but to to accurately depict so many things that are associated with King Payment. Um so often in this movie, um, when they're in Joni's house, um, when things when they're up in the attic and things are candlelit, things are all yellow, which is a color that is very heavily associated um, with payment um, as far back as as things go. So, like, th- there was obviously the research put into this. Um, I said that I started paying attention to the words. The words that are etched on all of those things 
are actual like historical um, ritual words. And they're all placed. They're all positioned in the movie. Um, not only because the, you know, they're, 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 they're real, but they're all positioned in places at, at times in the movie when you, if you know what these words mean, you can piece together this movie from basically beginning to end and realize how it's all one giant summoning ritual. Um, and the, so one of the first words that you see, um, that you see is you see Zazas. And I, I read this stuff. I've never heard it spoken to me. Uh, to anybody who may know, I apologize if, I'm, if I just massacre these words. That word has its roots in, in, um, in old black magic going back to the early 1900s. Um, one of the first documented uses of that word, and I'm sorry if I get real nerdy here, people. One of the first documented uses of that word was Aleister Crowley using it in the desert as a summoning ritual. And so um, it, it, it essentially is just it's it's asking for the for the gates to be open like that is that's an introductory right it's uh it's it's it is so when you first see that movie it's right as shit starts to kind of get weird and it's when when things happen so you see that and it's like okay so so now you're into an introductory the one that that i think is easiest to recognize and because it's got a word in it that you're going to know is at one point etched into the wall you see a uh, lift oak pandemonium which uh, literally translates to open chaos. It's a it's the southern in me here. It's essentially like, come on, y'all, let's go, demons. Like that's what Lithjock Pandemonium is. Also, um, it's the capital of the it's the capital of hell in Paradise Lost. Um, if you're a Milton fan, so uh, it's it is a word that is associated with this invocation ritual. Uh, and so, and so, and it happens, you know, after some of the deaths and, and after some of these things start happening where you, you do realize that there's going to be a supernatural edge to this movie. Um, you, you see the triangles with the, uh, excuse me, they do circles with triangles in them, um, uh, in this movie, uh, which from the, the best I could find kind of researching is that that is kind of a take on the circle of Solomon. Um, which is one of a lot of different types of um, magical circles that uh, that exist. That's also where you get your pentagram and uh, things like that. The 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 double the the uh, excuse me the uh, hexagram of Solomon being another one that looks like a star of David in a circle. Um, but there is a triangle of Solomon that's similar to that. I mean the the, the amount of research that, that went into this and making sure that all of these things were not only real but that they were depicted in an accurate way to where if you were somebody who has read books about this or you you live your life according to these things then you're even if you know a lot about this stuff those moments don't take you out of this. Right. Like even if you know what these things mean, then you realize how purposefully and beautifully they're used. The 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 symbol that they wear on the necklace that's drawn in blood above the grandmother's body is a symbol that is associated with King Payment. And so all of these things were just so just so expertly used down to the fact that throughout the movie, um, the people who don't really know, like your Annie's. They, they, um, I noticed this time through there, there's, there's not very often, but there is like an interchange of the words invocation and evocation. 
um, within this movie, but never from somebody who's in the know, because while by Miriam Webster's definitions, they're very similar words that are almost interchangeable within the realm of magical rites. They mean very, very different things. And evocation is just being like, Hey, come hang out. Like, come be part of this, right? Like we just want to talk to you. And invocation is inviting some, inviting another power into use your body as a vessel. And so that that book that she has at the beginning uh, that she's looking through that's written in some other language is an invocation book. And so if you are aware of the differences between those words, then you're immediately all in on the fact that that this grandmother was into the idea of not only contacting um, demons or spirits or something from from the other side, but asking it to be part of her. And and be part of her, you know, as we come to find out, part of her family. And so it's, uh, there's there's just, there's so much that went into it. And it's all so masterfully done. Like, uh, I, I it just for the listener, I sent Dave a picture earlier of like my workspace when I was getting ready for this, uh, for this episode. And I had like three open books and my laptop open to like a Wikipedia page. I found some really weird propaganda pamphlets and stuff on the internet while researching today. I mean, the, the stuff is out there, but it, it's, it's interesting because on the surface level, it's easy to just find a couple of words here and there about it, but to find out how in depth um, the research must have been to put all of this stuff into different areas of the movie and to use them all accurately, uh, the ants um, in in many many uh, it, it, you know uh, religions throughout time like ants have been used as like a portent um people have been sacrificed on ant hills because then the ants will then lead you to something or they will they will guide you to where you should be going next in life um there the the idea of so many people in this movie being beheaded uh the the concept of if there is something trapped in you that that if the removal of the head allows it out I think that I think that one thing um, in this story that's fascinating is if there is this idea that the grandmother did invoke payment and brought him into her, that then she's killed as she dies. So with her death, payment cannot escape. So the cultists then dig up the body, behead her. We eventually find out she's been decapitated mm-hmm. upon, and at that time, then it would appear that it went into Charlie. Right. But um, as the the readings, uh, one thing about this movie that's amazing is it gives you all this. And this movie is amazingly light on exposition. Like you, you've got to go like figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. So then Charlie gets beheaded. She gets beheaded. The mom does a seance. We see payment come into her. Right. And even if he's not there, you know, even if he's not controlling all the time, he's there. How does he eventually end up in Peter? She saws her own fucking head off in a brutal, brutal moment of film. Like, that, like that is mm, so good, so good, like, and so terrifying. Oh, and... The shock factor of the head being knocked off by a light post is one thing, but the 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 visceral like reaction of watching someone saw their own head off, and it's your mother, and it's your mother, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and so then you know, so then and then so then once her head comes off, 
he uh, he jumps out the window and now it's in him, right? And then we get this whole story of the fact that Charlie was payment, but it was a lesser body and they had to come up with a way to correct that. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so many of those things are rooted and, and I've taken just a really long way around to say this. All of this is rooted in so much great research that this movie just begs for another watch and another watch. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it can be hard to do. I learned that last night. Like, I'm thinking this stuff isn't going to affect me. I know it's coming. No, it's still hard to watch some of this stuff. Um, and I, if, if you're watching us live, you keep seeing me look down to my right. It's because I've just got uh, just a notebook <laughs> just full of, like I said, I, I look, it's, it's very, like I said, it's very a beautiful mind over here. There's lines all over and through things. Um, and, and this has all just been banging around in my head all day. Um, but there's, there's just, there's, there's such a beauty to this idea. The, we, we, we go back to the exorcist, you know, like that demon entered her unwillingly. And so the, I, there, there, there was an invitation, but, um, not in the way that she thought. There we go. Yeah. Right. Uh, because she, she plays with Captain Howdy, right? Yeah, there. That's right. And 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 that's enough for it to happen. And one one of the things that that strikes me uh, about uh, this second watch, right? Um, I noticed that Annie was wearing that pendant with the sign of payment yes. at the funeral, and she mentions to Steve later on. She was like, "Oh, the the pendant that my mother gave me, right? If." Your mother, you've had this like strained relationship at best, right? And uh, she, you, you know that she had this secretive life. Why? Right. Why would you be wearing this thing that you have no idea what it means, where it comes from? It's obviously cryptic, you know. Uh, you know so is is there a sort of invitation? You know, because there there was an invitation when she does the seance. You know, right. she she very clearly invites payment into her house. Yes, and so which which begs the question of if it wasn't Charlie first, right? Then then when did that moment of of invite come? But then you you get this bit of backstory about how when she was pregnant with Charlie, she decided to make her mother a part of her life again. And so you start to you start to wonder, you know, when you look at this idea of um, invoking demons, um, you you look at the concept of being inside the circle and ending up make when uh, when you when you look into magical rites and the idea that you invoke a demon, one of the reasons that you use a circle is is it creates a magical barrier mm-hmm. between you and um, and whatever you're evoking or invoking. Um, and so, but you also run across when you're looking at, when you're looking at, uh, at higher demons, like with ones that have names, like a King mm-hmm. Payman, then you're, you look at the idea of once they're there, they don't want to go back mm-hmm. from where, you know, from wherever they came from and they, they will talk and, and they will, they will lie and they will do all of these things. King Payman is regarded as being a, a teller of truth. And one of the reasons that he was so often evoked is because you could ask him questions and you could believe what he said. Um, he, was, uh, he was a deliverer of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so 
you you uh, what the the question that that I kept that I kept banging around in my head was whether or not in an attempt to gain this knowledge if, if for if the grandmother's the one who invoked him if if Charlie ended up being part of the deal and if it, it is this concept of when if a if if it's a child can she especially if she was brought in when the mom was still pregnant like this mm-hmm. idea of promising something that doesn't exist yet right like the baby is there but it's not born yet so can you promise a child at some point as part of your invocation ritual and so that and, was and, and then this child is not male right and then which which really just you know kind of fucks with the process right yeah. and that's and that's why it becomes this whole process of getting from her to but she but has to see because the thing is we find out that at the end when 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 peter comes back and uh and he jump and he jumps out the window or alex excuse me oh no peter alex is his real name alex is his real name um when peter comes back and he immediately like you know he does that 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 tongue Mm -hmm. clicking and you're like oh shit he's charlie right so then that God, that amazing disembodied voice that ends the movie that you never see a face attached with. And then mm. you even, and then when they do bring the camera out, you don't see anybody like standing and facing him that looks like it should be in a position where you're talking to him while he just stares into the camera. But that voice says, you know, you are now Charlie and we've corrected the fact that you were put into this lesser body, which mm. leads me to believe that, Charlie was the deal. And then when Charlie was female, it had to set into place this sequence of events for payment to become Charlie and then payment Charlie to become Peter, right? Like these things had to happen, but Peter wasn't going to, you know, just outwardly invite the demon in. So he had to be broken. You, he had to, he had to be tortured and watch his family die in front of him. There actually is this moment, and interestingly, I didn't notice it the first time I saw it, which was on uh, my living room television, which is 4K, curved screen. It's, you know, rather large, you know, real nice. I was, wa- <laughs> I was watching it upstairs this time around on like a 1080p. It's like a 10-year-old television, right? And I noticed that you see a a black outline leave his body once he slams down on the floor. Yeah. It's just a shade. And I was like, holy fuck, how did I not catch that the first time? Yes. He is gone. Peter does not exist in that body anymore. Yes. And and that's what finally allows Charlie slash Payman to finally come in. Right. And so this idea that it's still Charlie, but it's also payment is what leads me to believe that that the still unborn Charlie was was part of her deal um, with with bringing payment over, which mm-hmm. is something, that, you know, like uh, I was reading earlier today about um, a right of uh, a right of summoning for payment and a payment is summoned. Uh, is summoned and he shows up by himself. Like it almost immediately demands a sacrifice to get somebody else there to rein him in. Um, because if you don't get someone else there um, who's equal to or better than him, then you're fucked. And uh, and that's like a documented, you know, like right of summoning payments. So it, it's 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 God. Like I said, it's just it was 
now that the now that the the pure shock of what I was going to see had worn off, going into this movie and watching for that stuff and just kind of letting all of that wash over me and like like I said, I'd read words and I'd see things and I was like, oh wait, I need to go grab this book. I need to go grab that book. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here with three books right now um, <laughs> that I've been that I've been pouring over um, all day. And, and and it was like it just it it just sparked it in me, and so it's it's absolutely incredible the 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 use of not only like I said like you said something real something that exists outside the universe of this movie regardless of what you believe in yeah. you know like this this is all real mythos and it is very real to some people right and so the the idea of putting that in there and also not treating you like an idiot or forcing you to sit down and learn about a bunch. Of, like maybe you it, do it just want to feed anything right. to you. Maybe and... you do just want to enjoy it and, and like, Oh shit, she cut her head off. That's crazy. And if that's, mm. if that's what you're in for it for, and you can watch it and you can enjoy that. Or if you want to be like, what is, what is all of this? Like that whole world is out there for you. The, I, I have a feeling that the a 24 crowd tends to be a little bit more. Hmm. Yes. Let me research this, right? Uh, it's it's not exactly the Dimension Films crowd that's like, you know, did, did they change Michael's mask? <laughs> I don't care. He's stabbing that one over there. Ah, she, yeah, go she got bigger boobies one. than the other one. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think it, the use of those words is is so it's so brilliant, and and it it shows you how like clockwork the <laughs> the 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 machination of of this this cult is that the first word that you see satoni uh yes. is um to 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 bring life from death there we go yeah and uh it, it, that is exactly what happens throughout the entire movie um you know ellen is present throughout the entire movie uh and she's dead right um Charlie's life is put to use after she's she's dead, right? Uh, until then, she's just a host body. Yep. Right. Uh, and and then Peter finally, you know, serves the the purpose that he initially was supposed to. Uh, in fact, the purpose that uh, Annie's brother was initially supposed to serve. Yes. Right? Which which we come to find out his name was Charles. Right. When she's when she's pulling out those uh, those floor mats. Right. She pulls out Annie and she pulls out Charles and it's like, oh, shit. Hang on a second. So Charlie was supposed to be that new Charles. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's it's I, I can't say anything more on it than, than you already have. I mean, <laughs> you, you've covered it so, so perfectly. Um, you know, it, it would be stupid of me to, to try to add on to that. Yeah, um, it, it was, I mean, it was just, it, it, it was amazing. And like I said, when viewed through that lens, this movie from, from that first word can be viewed as one large summoning, right? Which is mm -hmm. just unbelievable to me. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, so, so we've, we, we've talked a lot about the characters and, and, and the story and all of that, but the characters in this movie were brought to life by, you know, the actors who really, really yeah. bought it um and uh, you know uh, tony collette has she got widespread acclaim for this people mm -hmm. loved her in this role so what do you think about you know tony collette and everybody's acting like what what are the standouts for you here uh i mean tony collette gives the performance of a lifetime 
in this. Uh, it's uh, it's beautiful. It's terrifying. Um, I, I think that she is one of those unsung heroes of horror. Um, she hasn't made too many horror movies. Uh, she's done this in Krampus, which are certainly horror movies. Uh, but I would consider uh, The Sixth Sense to have elements of horror. I was Sixth Sense, yeah. And, uh, and that was one hell of a performance she gave in that movie as well. Um, and and she, she kind of lends some credence to the horror genre, I think, in the same way that uh, like Ellen Burstyn did for for The Exorcist, right? You know? uh, when you when you have an Academy Award nominated actress in your movie, you know that tends to to do something there. But but um, Gabriel Byrne, uh, I, I mentioned this earlier, his performance is so tortured, so absolutely tortured. Uh, there's this amazing moment after uh, uh, the incredible dinner scene, right, where uh, Annie has just blown up on Peter uh, because Peter wants absolution. Yes. Right. Uh, he's begging for absolution. I don't know if Peter was looking for his mother to say it's OK or if Peter was looking for his mother to explode. And right. finally let it all out. But he was looking for something. He wanted her to at least address it with him. Right. And after her 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 blow up, Gabriel Byrne reaches over and you know he he kind of like holds his hand tight and he comes back. He he breathes this like sigh. He goes to cut his chicken. He stops. He goes to cut the chicken again, and then he just puts the utensils down and sits up straight. And it was this moment of such real, uh, total loss. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I have – there is nothing I can do for my family. You know, he is, he is totally, utterly helpless uh, and, uh, and unhelpful. There's nothing he can do. To, to ease Annie's suffering, to ease Peter's suffering. Um, uh, just moments before when, when he sees her, you know, it, creating the diorama for, for the accident, you know, uh, he had been so supportive and patient up until that moment, you know, and then uh, he, he still doesn't lose control, you know, but he's like, you know, come down and eat, stay up here, whatever. I don't give a shit. You know, right. it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's tart, you know, it's, it's like a, a little, a little bit of, uh, of, of hate thrown in there. Right. He's, he's starting to hate her, but there's something behind it. There's still some love there. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant performance. And, and, and I mean, Peter is just, yeah. Alex Alex Wolf just absolutely slayed this. Like uh, when mm -hmm. it first, it's funny. I just recently watched uh, both of the Jumanji movies, the the newer ones, um, uh -huh. where where he has you know like it's I, I say a bit part. I mean technically he's a main character, but you only actually see Alex Wolf as that character um, a, a little bit in each movie. But what you get from him in this movie is such an amazing depiction of what uh, of of what it must be like to be so racked with guilt and grief at the same time 
that that nothing means anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like you, you watch him as this, you know, like when, when it first starts, he's this guy like smoke weed and hang out with his friends and cut class. And, you know, he wants to like hit on, you know, he's, he's like hitting on girls and stuff like that. And then you, you know, just you know, typical high school stuff. And, right. uh, and then he, and then, and then after that moment, like you're just, you're just watching like a broken, empty human being who can't get any, like you said, he can't get any absolution from home because his mother has, has you know completely withdrawn um like right. i said his his father's method of grief seems to be to just keep rowing right some somebody's got to keep life moving forward and so he's and you know you you can't it's not something that if you're in high school you can't go to your friends about that and be like hey man can you relate to the fact that i killed my sister right like you know no. <laughs> yeah like yeah there's 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 nowhere to go with that especially as a 17 year old like mm-hmm. when when i was 17 if something if something awful had happened to me i wouldn't have been like oh let me find a support group like none of that means anything to a 17 year old like you know tomorrow doesn't exist to a 17 year old right and so now not only has he gone from a place where tomorrow doesn't matter to, you know, you, you, you look at him and you're like, this is a kid who hopes tomorrow doesn't come because tomorrow's another day where he has to live with what he's done. And all of this is so amazingly portrayed in, in what, in what uh, Alex Wolf brought to this role. And like, just and like the, 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 uh, the scene where, where he's like first, you know, kind of being when he's being puppeted, essentially and and his arm shoots up and it's all just at that weird angle and then he just smashes his own face into the desk and i mean just like the the physicality of some of his acting down to the very last uh the the second to last shot where like i said it's just him blankly staring into the camera while you listen to this disembodied voice give you that last little bit of like all right if you haven't figured everything out like you know here's kind of it is here it is and 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 he's just sitting there and it's it's not a grin it's not a grimace it's just like it's just taking it all in you know and like somebody had put this it's crown confidence. on confidence yeah it's confidence yeah. yeah and and yeah he's, he's he's got this crown on and he's looking and and he goes from this person who's just racked and riddled with all of these awful things to without saying a word you know it's like man this guy's a king and he knows he's a king like he is, he's looking down on all of these, you know, cultists and disembodied, uh, dis, uh, excuse me, uh, beheaded bodies. Right. Um, and, and he's like, yeah, yeah, those are my people. They did this for me because of who I am. That's me. And he does all of this without saying a word. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, the other thing that uh, he really is incredible. W- one of the things that I loved about him was, that transition from uh trying to be cool teenager to scared helpless child yeah 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 with uh, the panic attacks and stuff and when he yeah, with the panic attacks reverts to saying mommy yeah you know he uh the first time that you really see it i think uh is when when he's smoking with his with his buddies after um uh, after his sisters died, um, uh, Millie, what's um, what's the the character's name? Charlie. Charlie. Thank you. Wow, I've been saying Charlie this whole fucking yeah. time. Um, yeah. Uh, don't drink too much water, kids. <laughs> uh, yeah. So and after Charlie's died, right, he's he's smoking, and then 
he says the same thing she says, right? Uh, my throat feels like it's getting bigger. Yes. Right. And then he's he's saying, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And then he turns to the guy next to him. He says, just hold my hand. Right. Yeah. Like that's such a little kid response yeah. to pain, you know, like just be there for me. Right. Um, and, and when, when he starts to feel scared at the seance, he cries, Yes, you know, and, and it's not like a tear running down his face and he's standing there stoically, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not John Wayne at the end of the searchers, you know, <laughs> this, this is, this is a, a child who is terrified Yes, and, and, and is bawling. You know, he is crying his eyes out. And when when she is banging her head in the most uh, terrifying, maybe the most terrifying shot of the whole movie. With, right? with, without a doubt, like without a doubt that that image of her like stuck to the closed attic door and like and it and he's just he's screaming and you think she's just banging on it. And then it cuts down and you see she's slamming her head on it. Oh, that, it, 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 that he's he's sitting there and he's crying. He goes, "Mommy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, mommy. I'm sorry." Yes, you know, it's it. He has fully reverted. I, I've got goosebumps just thinking about that Me scene too. again. Um, he has fully reverted to to a little boy. You know, he is uh, like you said. He's totally broken at yeah. that point. Um, and maybe that's who he always was. You know, um, he. You know. There are clearly lots of problems in the Graham family. Yes. Lots of lots of undiscussed issues. They need therapy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they can't get it. You know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're all either you know roasted and toasted, or uh, or or missing a couple of heads. Yes. But um, they need to talk their shit out. Yeah. You know, uh, it is uh, therapy is important, ladies and gentlemen. Therapy is important. Yeah. So. Uh, it's just i mean like i said there's there's just so there's so many little things like i said i didn't even like when you when you just described that 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 the the scene with gabriel burned me i was like god i didn't even think about it like that but now looking back on it, it's like ah, it's just masterfully done um and, and i think a lot of that goes to the fact that there's good material right um this is an incredibly written piece of uh, of of artwork Yes. Um, Ari Aster wrote, directed. Um, I mean, this this is his baby. You know, his his uh, his control of dialogue, of tone, of of camera, like everything. Ultimately, this this is his movie. You know, as much as Tony Collette gives the performance of her career, as much as uh, you know the 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 real life. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, demonic adds to this movie you know this is this is him yeah so um what's what are your thoughts on this uh you know both when you first saw this seeing it again now what do you take away from this as a from like the technical aspect of this so first thing that i thought upon first my first watch was like how how did how does somebody come up with this right like it's <laughs> i'm see, like yeah. you know yeah, like how fucked up do you yeah have to like be? like you like you 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 occasionally watch a horror movie where there's like one scene where it's like man whoever thought of like this particular method of death has like a really fucked up like sense of humor or something right, right. and so often you can you can draw those lines through like these you know a couple things it's like how did you come up with this but when i watch 
this movie and the story that's told. I, like I, I can only imagine that that the that the brain of Ari Aster has has got to work on like a Lovecraftian level, hopefully without the racism, right? Like, um, <laughs> there is definitely a uh, a Lovecraftian angle to yes. the story, and so um, so that that's my first thought. My second thought is there are some really fucking cool technical like 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 camera shots in this mm -hmm. the 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 two that spring to mind immediately are the very first one where you yes. start with the dollhouse and then you come in to a bedroom on this miniature and then you're in the real bedroom yeah right like that was just beautifully beautifully done but the one and, and it happens twice um in each direction the the one thing that it's 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 so minute, but it's just another moment that keeps you from getting comfortable. There's a scene in this movie where it's just like it's just a shot of the house and it's like the middle of the day and then blink of an eye. It's the middle of the night. Yeah. And that shot for me, it just serves to keep you so uncomfortable. And then they do it again to go from uh, like they do it from day to night and from night to day. Mm -hmm. they, they do it one time each. And it's it's such an it's such a small thing. But it's it's so it's so unnatural that it's disconcerting. You know, we're used to fading in and out mm -hmm. of things, and so this idea yeah, those of, hard cuts. Yes, there's this idea of just something suddenly changing is so unnatural. It makes you so uncomfortable. Like those types of directorial decisions are 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 what just are what just floor me about this movie. Um, I. That very first shot of the movie was impressive. But it was also concerning for me because I saw great potential for, uh, and, and not really knowing Ari Aster's work, uh, I had no idea what to expect. But I thought this had great potential to be a, uh, a Wes Anderson-style movie. Right. And I am not a fan of Wes Anderson. Me, um, he's he's got a style that is definitely his own. Yep. Uh, and and that is fantastic because very few filmmakers have such an easily identifiable style. Yep. You can watch one frame of a Wes Anderson movie and know exactly. Oh yeah, like the, the first time I saw a trailer for was the new one, the French Dispatch or whatever. Like as soon as mm -hmm. the trailer started, I went, "Ooh, this is from the mind of Wes Anderson." Right. <laughs> uh, e even even when it's not live action, even when it's a cartoon, it's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Wes Anderson movie. Um, so I was a little concerned because I was like, oh, that's really cool. But I was also like, oh, is he a Wes Anderson clone? And he is not. Nope. He is definitely not. Uh, his use, however, of her miniatures, particularly the house, to represent them, the Grams is masterful uh particularly in how we're talking about like the the lovecraftian feel of of this movie right um for, for those of, of you the for the listeners unfamiliar with hp lovecraft his brand of horror uh often called lovecraftian horror or cosmic horror yeah, talk, right? talk, talk about talk about having a style of your own like yeah uh, it's it's so it's so indefinable <laughs> they just give it your name yeah like discovering it's, it's, it's a new disease yeah yeah it's, it, it's hitchcockian you know <laughs> uh, you just put your name and then en at the end yeah and it's, yeah uh it's debona ian 
So uh, he he had this this brand of horror that um, made the reader feel utterly helpless and totally alone and unimportant in uh, in the universe, in uh, on this planet, and even within our own home and to ourselves. Yes. So this this movie does this and 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 it all goes back to his script and um partly to his his extensive research in in payment but also in um and simply his approach to um uh, to genetics and 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 family trauma and and how utterly helpless we are to all of that uh, we are all in in one way or another our parents even 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 if we're not right right um because i from my parents i learned precisely what to do as a parent and what not to do as yeah. a parent right um and uh, and i thank them for that uh both the good and the bad because I feel like it taught me a lesson and it, it's made me a better parent than they were for me. And I know that they learned from their parents and they were better parents than their yep. parents were for them and so on and so forth. But that trauma is, is, is relayed from one to the next. And I know that there are things that I'm doing that will affect my son and that he'll do for his children and so on and so forth. It's, it's this, this totally helpless feeling. And, and, and that Lovecraftian horror of, I can't outrun my, my, my family history. I can't outrun my, my trauma, my family trauma. It's, uh, it's absolutely brilliant. The performance that he got out of these actors, uh, these were not like one take shots. Right. He um he was definitely nowhere near Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> uh you know doing hundreds of takes, uh but but they were doing you know fourteen fifteen takes of certain scenes and you know particularly for uh for Alex Wolf and for Tony Collette they gave very physical performances, uh that was very demanding. You know, and and he got incredible performances out of them. But there's also such a uh, an incredible mature control of the camera that you don't often see. Horror movies so often fall back on the chaotic, yes. right? Uh, shaky cam, like action movies have been doing for the last twenty years, right? these hard cuts and hard edits where you don't exactly see exactly what's going on uh things being too dark right um Ari Aster doesn't lean on that he puts it all out there for you and really for most of the movie what we get are slow tracking shots slow dolly shots or totally static shots yes. it's it's and and it it allows the tension to build so beautifully and i think when when a when a director writes you you, you really get that he, he really comes to know the material and 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 he knows exactly what is supposed to happen in that scene in a way that a director who doesn't write 
simply doesn't have. And and if if you look at the great writer director, um, you know, filmmakers out there, you know, someone like a Quentin Tarantino, right? You see that he knows exactly what that scene is supposed to be right. versus Quentin Tarantino written movies that are directed by someone else. I'm a huge fan of um, uh, what's the one with uh, Christian Slater. Um, true, true romance. True romance. True romance. Yeah. Brilliant movie. Absolutely love it. Uh, doesn't necessarily feel like a Quentin Tarantino movie right. though. Right. The dialogue is definitely Tarantino, but that doesn't feel like a Tarantino movie. Something's lost there. Right. And um, and you kind of see it when when a when a director doesn't write his own material, even when he usually does as uh, as well. Uh, there's there's a little something that's that's lost there. So um, to me, ultimately, this is this is him. You know, it's it's his masterpiece. And uh, it, for this to be a a, a debut film. Um, I, I can't think of another director where their first movie was so strong and so perfect in every possible way, because there are directors that were hampered by budget, hampered mm -hmm. by editing, hampered by the studio, by this, by that, you know, uh, even Steven Spielberg, you can't say Jaws is his first movie. Sure. It's his first feature film, but you know, you, you, you've got, You've got Duel and Sugarland Express that were done uh, before it, you know. So it's his first big budget movie, right? You know, and and, and you can't say that Duel and Sugarland Express are, um, are are perfect. They're great, but they're not perfect. This is perfect. Yeah, and and and, and it all comes down to him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Which is going to take us right into. It's time to rate this one. So if you're new to the podcast, one thing that we always like to remind everybody is that we rate a movie solely against itself uh, for the most part. Uh, so when we were talking about this movie, you know, we like to come, so we come up with a unique rating system. And uh, if you listen to this, or you listen to Geek More, you may know that uh, on top of being um, horror movie guys, Dave and I are big music guys. Uh, and we, uh, you know, we, we, we like we like our music with an edge. And so, um, in an attempt to keep this, uh, this, which is not a U2 reference, although I am no. a U2 fan, eh, you can take him or leave him, right? I like Joshua Tree. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're early stuff. <laughs> so in an attempt to just, to, to just really grab this bull by the horns and, and embrace the fact that we have an opportunity for the most metal rating system that we may ever get to use out of a possible five Kings of hell. How many do you give this movie, Dave? Um, I'm wondering how many over five is 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 too much, you know. Uh, that's <laughs> it, it, this. Um, when I first saw this back in in 2019, I I immediately fell in love with it, and 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 like I said, this is only the second time I've seen it because I I've been afraid to go back to it. Yes. Um, it's a it's a difficult movie to watch. Tony Collette's scream of of horror and pain when she when she discovers charlie is um uh, the stuff of nightmares also amazing directorial decision to keep that off camera 
mm-hmm. to 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 mm-hmm. experience what it what it was like for Peter to lay there and hear it. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's hard to watch. Um, I don't often find myself in the mood to relive this right. because of how difficult it is to watch. Um, but this is a perfect movie. Um, and and so far the the highest rating that we have given has been uh six out of five. Yes. Um I can't remember Candyman. Uh for Candyman. Yeah. Um and and this is at least as perfect as Candyman. And I know uh we've talked about degrees of perfection before. Yes. Um I'm going to give this seven out of five Kings of hell. Yeah. Um, uh, forwards, backwards, inside out. This movie is perfection. This entire recording. I have gotten chill bumps multiple times going back through some of this stuff and remembering it. You are, you are left in a place to, to not only experience the movie, but to feel the movie. They ground it in so much reality that even when things do get supernatural, it all feels so real. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's pal, pal, palatable. Is that the right word, right? It's, it's palpable. like palpable. There we go. Yeah. Like, I, like you can, yeah, palatable would mean it tastes good. Um, it's palpable. Yeah. <laughs> Probably wouldn't taste very good. No. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, this is, this this is the feeling I uh, this is this this movie is the feeling I got the first time that I read The Shining, right? Mm-hmm. This this movie is this the, this movie is just it 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 it. But you're right; it's it's hard to rewatch. It takes a piece of you with it, which mm-hmm. is you know sounds bad, but I mean when it uh, but you know if, if the point of art is to evoke some sort of reaction, right? Like this evokes such a reaction that, that you're, you're not ever quite the same after you watch this. Like there, there's, there's a small piece of you that's left when those credits are done. Like, Oh yeah. I, I know. I know like Marvel has trained me when I go see something in the theater to, to watch through the credits. Um, but I mean, this is a movie where I just let the credits roll. Cause I just needed, I needed that we moment. Need process. Like, yeah. yeah, I just, I needed, I, I needed a decompress. Um, and you're absolutely right. This this is at least as perfect um, as Candyman. And so, yeah, I'll go right there with you. I mean, this is a seven out of five Kings of Hill, uh, Kings of Hell. This is uh, I mean, this is just just put a TV screen up in the Louvre and just play this movie on a loop. It, it um, is. It, it is art. It is. Yeah, it is uh, moving art. Uh, it's 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 just. So like I went into this after seeing it once and I was like, yeah, you know, let's, let's get to talking about this. I'm ready to give it five. And after another rewatch, I was like, I can't, I can't just give it five. Like I, this is, this, this is a movie that raises the bar on what can be done with a horror movie. You can, you can go and you can find a genre and you can find movies that are, that are keystones that are landmarks in the, in that genre's history. And, but you can also find movies that make the world aware of what can be done within this genre. And that's what hereditary did. Hereditary took a genre that has gone all over the place. And not that there haven't been art films that are horror films, 
but it took it and it made it high art. Mm -hmm. It took it and it, it hereditary took the genre of horror and made it into something that, that you've like you, this, this is a, you can't ignore us movie. You can sit around and, and you can laugh at the ones that, that are laughable, but you can't ignore this genre's place in filmmaking and this this takes that and runs with it. So I'm I'm right there with you. This is absolutely a seven out of five. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I it kind of has to be, you yeah. know. And you're right. I I think that this is one of those landmark movies in in horror. Um, you know, I, I think you've got The Exorcist. You've got um, maybe Scream. Mm -hmm. uh or halloween scream uh the conjuring psycho and uh yeah. and this uh, psycho yeah. uh you know obviously before exorcist right um I, I i do think that this solidified that trend of art house horror yes. that we're seeing a lot now uh i don't think it started it i think under the skin was the one that kind of really birthed oh, that yeah um and uh, I personally uh, loved Under the Skin. Uh, I know that that's another one that's very divisive. Um, and, and it's not just because Scarlett Johansson's naked for, you know, a, a good portion of the movie. I, I, I truly did like uh, this like this a solid movie. piece of that pie chart that's naked, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. I, I didn't say it wasn't because of it. It just wasn't the only reason. Uh, but I, I think that kind of started this trend of the 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 art house horror and um and ari aster kind of like put his stamp down on it and he's like you know motherfucker we're doing this yeah and um and you can be here for it or you or you can't doesn't matter but you because, can't ignore it because we're indie yeah. and we don't need you to do it uh because we've we've got studios like a24 uh backing it and doing it and and uh, they're finding the right directors to make these movies for close to nothing. Yeah, I mean, this, and, this was made for ten million, which yes is a lot of money to a you know a, a normal person like us, I, and the yeah. people listening. But for a movie budget, ten ten million is what you what you pay one actor for a big movie, right? Um, and and so I, I I think Ari Aster has has really shown us what what you can do uh in in horror with with this and uh next week hopefully we'll see what uh what he can continue to do with horror yeah well, yeah exactly with what, what, what he decided the next step would be yeah uh so i'm, I'm excited to uh to discuss that one with you daniel yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch it's been one i've been meaning to watch since i saw hereditary and just kind of never got it just just it was one of those things when when i had the time it didn't pop into my head and so now i'm excited to, to sit down and watch now uh let's discuss this now with the listener right um do you want to discuss next week the director's cut or the theatrical cut oh there's two cuts yes um let's go directors right director's cut okay. is, is usually more in line with what the original you know the the original yeah uh, imaging was so let's go director's cut uh and i believe that uh for midsummer it was purely a timing issue uh the movie was just gonna be too long Got so it. they were like yeah we gotta cut it and he was like okay so um so there you go thank you so much for uh for watching those of you who came in and watched live 
Uh, thank you for uh, for listening. Those of you who are our dedicated listeners in the podcast verse, uh, we uh, we implore you to please uh, follow the other podcasts on the geek bro network including the mount geek more podcast which both daniel debona and myself are on uh what's up bro seasons better let me tell you kick flicks um crimacopia fitness crimacopia uh crimacopia i think fits very well with shiver Yes. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think of it as our sister podcast. Yeah, it really is. It's it's uh, it's it's here's real world horror. Right, <laughs> right. K- kind of what our what the actual fuck episodes used to be. Yeah. Back, uh, back in the day. So uh, did I miss any? I think I got them. All, uh, right? I th- Dosavelli. Did we say Dosavelli? Dosavelli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you is, go. Is, is still around. And so, yeah. Um, and you can head to geekbro.net. You can find all of those, uh, that extensive list. Um, or you can head to shiverpod.com or you'll be linked directly to our um, part of geekbro.net. And that's where you can get to all of our stuff. We're on Facebook and YouTube at shiverpod. So slash shiverpod on all of those things. Um, and I guess if you, uh, if, if you feel the need to chime in and you're listening afterwards, so you can't do it live, you can't always email us at shiverpod at gmail.com. It is a functioning email. <laughs> I should probably check it. There's probably a lot of really angry parents. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're poisoning the minds yes. of my, my children over here. We uh, can only, we can only hope. Yeah, we, we, we can only hope. we can only hope we we just seek to br- to bring light to what you would keep in the darkness. Ah, we should put that as our tagline. <laughs> Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We shine a light on what you would keep in the darkness. There we go. Yeah, C- kind of long, but I think it works on a movie yeah, poster. You know, it's gonna be it's yeah. gonna be a big tattoo, but you know, I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it right on the back. It's a, it's a big <laughs> canvas. So there you go. On behalf of all of us here on the Shiver podcast, fright you very much.